preacher don't blow it. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 4. If you found it, say praise the Lord. Verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with an hot iron. Amen. I hope the Lord will help me to get this off my heart tonight. The Holy Ghost wants to speak to us. Does anybody want to hear from the Lord? If somehow you can train your mind to get it off of a mortal preacher, and if God can anoint the preacher and his word in your ears, then we won't just hear a preacher, but we will hear the word of the Holy Ghost, and we can sit in heavenly places. Would you lift both of your hands to the Lord right now? Let's ask God to anoint this congregation and to again anoint his word in the man of God that we could hear from the Holy Ghost tonight in Jesus' name. Help us tonight, Lord. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost. Again, we bind every spirit of hell and we stand upon the foundation of the Word of God. Speak to every preacher, speak to every saint, every mother, every father, every young person. Speak to me tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap tonight. He's worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just glad I'm in a one God Jesus name apostolic meeting. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Shake hands with your neighbor tonight and you may be seated. I want to preach to you a little while tonight if the Lord would help me. And I realize that when I say a little while that that's relative. If you're enjoying it, it'll seem short. But if it's tight, it'll seem like it's an eternity. I hope we can all get through at the same time. And if you get through before I do, just quietly get up. Don't disturb your neighbor. And let the rest of us have church tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, let's have some church tonight. Amen. I want to preach to you on this subject tonight. The weakness of the strong. The weakness of the strong. And I would just like to take a few moments to preface a few remarks before we go into the word of the Lord to tell you that this church that we are a part of is a very powerful organism. It is the organism and the only organism that will change this world. This is the body of Christ because we have been bought by the blood. We have repented of our sin. We've been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sin. We have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. There is no other plan of salvation. There is no other group of people except the blood-bought Jesus' name people. Nothing else is the church. 
Amen. Praise God. There's only one way to get in the church. You can't shake a preacher's hand. You can't sign a card. And you can't learn to speak in tongues to get in this church. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to get into that just a little while, but I'm telling you that God has put us in such a position to where that we are overcomers. And it is the will of God for the church to go on and to make an impression and an influence on this world like Brother Garrett was telling us about today. And I, I thought about a city years ago that was once a city, a fortress, a stronghold that uh, so much caused my attention to be turned to it that it, it so much represented the church as so it seemed to me at the time. And that city was an ancient city called Masada. It's not in existence today, although many folks should go over into the Holy Land, and one day I plan to do that and to visit the ruins of Masada. But Masada was a natural fortress. Its walls defended any enemy who would dare to attack it. One man alone could easily defend the narrow winding access up the eastern slope against many who would come. Yet the Roman 10th Legion, commanded by the governor of Palestine, Flavius Silva, captured Masada. Looking out over the western wall of Masada, one wonders how anyone could hope to ascend the precipitous rocky mountainside. Its Jewish defenders probably considered the task impossible. As a tour guide related the story of the conquest of Masada, one of his comments was particularly intriguing. What was the one area of vulnerability, he asked, that permitted the Roman army to penetrate this fortress? The obstacles the Romans faced were formidable. Sheer cliffs protected the community atop called Masada. This area in the, in the low valley reached 135 degrees Fahrenheit. The Judean sun must have scorched the armor-clad Romans on the desert floor. In contrast, the Jewish zealots, 1,300 feet above them, thrived in the cool breezes from the Mediterranean Sea. The Jews also enjoyed the luxury of ample water stored in cisterns hewn out of the rock. The Romans had to transport water arduously over 30 miles of rough terrain, and then they had to ration it. How could Masada fall? But yet Masada fell. Where was the weakness in this city? And I'm going to declare that to you in just a little while, but I'm going to tell you first of all that God has put us in a great and a wonderful position. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are not in a losing warfare or in a losing battle. If you stay in the church, it's a win-win proposition. Oh, let me tell somebody here tonight, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, why don't you get it tonight? and be a part of the greatest thing that's going on this planet. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, this is the time for a great outpouring of God's great spirit. You may be seated tonight. I believe with all of my heart that this is the greatest hour that the church has ever been a part of, and yet it faces its greatest challenges. And I want to just say to you tonight, and I have 
preached this in my area of the country and there have been so many folks that have never believed that that uh, you could have a move of God in this last time they have quoted instances and they have read out of the scripture that in the last days there was going to be a great falling away indicating that there was no way that you could fill a building that there was no way that you need to go out and run a bus route no need to pass out tracts and win souls because this is the time of a great falling away we're just going to sit on our hands and wait for Jesus to come I am here to declare to you tonight that that's a fallacy that was hatched in hell this church is as powerful as it's ever been if we are weak, it's not because that God is weak. If things have changed, it's not because God has changed. We need to plug back into the power source and let God, let him move in our hands. Let him move in our feet. Let him move in our church services. It's time to let the world know that God is not dead. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. They go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let me just say to you that we are in a battle. I don't deny that. And when we get through here tonight, you're going to understand exactly where I'm standing on the Word of God. But when you go to the book of 2 Thessalonians, it said there's a great falling away. And the word falling away comes from the Greek word apostasia. He said that in the last days there's going to be a great apostasy. It's not going to be because the church is not going to have any people. But the greatest danger in this last hour is the apostasy that would try to creep into the realms of God's church to rob her of her power, to rob her of her worship, to rob her of her prayer, to rob her of her witness, to rob her of her vision. We are living in a day of apostasy, and there's no doubt about that. You can be seated. We are living in a day of apostasy. I am sick and tired of dead church services where people come in and leave, and they are never changed. I'm tired of dry Bible studies that do not challenge the spirit to go deeper and to reach higher and to do more. Oh, we need to thank God there's still men of God that know how to stir us to repent, that know how to lead us in worship. They're not just telling us, they're leading us. Praise God. You may be seated. We have developed an appetite to be intellectually stimulated, physically motivated, and emotionally manipulated. We want somebody to make us feel good for the moment. Come on, sing a good song so I can dance. But your dance doesn't stop when the music stops. That's where it starts. Hallelujah! Something's got to change down on the inside of us. I don't need to be blessed for the moment. I need to be changed forever. 
Don't just preach me a good sermon that you read out of, Sir, out of Spurgeon's book. Don't just give me a lesson that you downloaded from the Internet. Talk to God and let God talk to the church. Oh, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, look at your neighbor and say, we got to have church tonight. Having church and having a move of God is not an option. It is a necessity. It is the lifeblood. We've got to have a move of God. And I'm sorry, preachers, but it's got to start in the pulpit. If you don't want your saints talking during church, then the preacher shouldn't be talking during church. I'm sorry, but I'm going to preach to you tonight. This is not a time for fellowship with one another. This is a time to touch God and let God touch us. Amen. 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 Here we are at the last day of time. You may be seated. And we have the power. And we have the authority. But I have found out that most wrecks, I've read this, most people that have a wreck in their automobile, and I've found out that the several times that it's happened to me on the mishaps that we've had on the road, it's always happened within five miles of the house. I heard the other day uh, one of the doctors from Cedarville University made the statement, I don't even know anything about Dale Earnhardt. I just wonder whose church he went to. Now, I'm going to get off on a tangent here, and I, I'm, I'm starting to feel at home now. Look out. It may go two hours tonight. But before we get through, we're going to black both of the devil's eyes and we're going to find out whose side we're on. This man at the university, he said, Dale Earnhardt, whoever he was, I guess he was a race car driver, said that he crashed when he only lacked 10 seconds from being a winner. What a tragedy for people to lose it at the last moment. What a terrible dishonor and a disgrace it is for someone to have gone so far and lose out at the last moment. I am coming to tell every one of you tonight as a witness, I don't intend to quit. I don't intend to backslide. I don't intend to compromise. I'm not backing up, letting up, or shutting up. I'm going to pray up. I'm going to tank up. Because I want to go up. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Oh, God, I'm sick of canned sermons that taste like the aluminum that they came out of. Sick of song singers, singers that sing on the platform that depend on their talent and not on the anointing of God. You might sing pretty, but nobody's going to feel God. And what difference does it make? I've heard some sermons that had the nutritional value of cotton candy. I don't want a preacher to tickle my ears. I don't 
I want him to challenge me intellectually. I want my spirit to be stirred. I want my soul to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. We're living in an apostasy. We're living in an apostasy. Please be seated. Now I'm talking about the real church. The devil's not going to duplicate anything that doesn't have any credence to it. Amen. That's the reason why there's a real Holy Ghost and a fake Holy Ghost. A real church. I need to back up there. Some of you sit down. There is a real Holy Ghost and a fake Holy Ghost. They are true prophets of God, and they are false prophets from hell. Amen. But there's a real revival that knows how to purge that junk out of the church. Real revival doesn't start when a singing group moves in. Real revival starts when the church falls on their face and prays through and prays through. Oh, God, we need a praying through tonight. Amen. We can come to meetings like this and there's enough lust in this building to start a Shriners Convention. Be careful, Brother Davis. You're going to offend somebody. Repent. 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 You don't come to art to get a boyfriend. You come to art to hear preaching. Amen. These are some of my young men up here. I preach the same way at home. I tell them they want to marry a girl, don't get the one that sits on the back, that goes to the restroom a dozen times. Your doctor bills are going to be enormous, and you're going to have a split family, but find somebody that loves God. Young ladies, find a young man that knows how to back their preacher. Don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution. Be a part of end time Holy Ghost outpouring. Give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Praise God. Let me talk to you a little bit about this church. I got a long way to go. I got to hurry. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Everybody say the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Remember Masada. Remember the city. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I'm not about to let go of Jesus' name baptism. I'm proud to be one God, Jesus' name. And I don't mind saying it in Tulsa either. There's only one God, and Jesus is his name. If Jesus is not the Almighty, and you serve him as a second person in the Trinity, you're serving a different Jesus. They're not a part of the body. They're not a part of the bread. Oh, that's right. 
because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Matthew 16 and 18, that upon thou art Peter and upon this rock. What rock? The confession of who Jesus is. Not Peter, but upon his knowledge and his revelation. I'm telling you that God's church is based upon revelation. You've got to know who he is. I said you've got to know who he is. You can't worship in spirit and truth unless you know the truth. You gotta know the truth to worship in truth. David said in Psalm 42, He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. Ever say a rock? And established my goings. Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me on a rock. Hey, when you're in this church and you know you got a pastor that's a watching out for your soul, it's a safe place to be. You can have that world. You can have that compromise. You can have liberalism all you want to. But give me the church. Give me the name of Jesus. Give me a good preacher that will tell me how it is. It's powerful because of its location. Amen. It's a city set on a hill. Have I say a city? A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. It's a powerful church, but you shall receive power. You may be seated. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and to all the uttermost part of the earth. This is a powerful organism. I don't have to sit down and take a back seat to any of these fake healers. Somebody told me the other day, they said, boy, they're really having a revival down at the Baptist church. Really? How many got the Holy Ghost? How many were baptized in Jesus' name? None? Well, then nobody got saved. That's not a revival. Don't you get mad at me. I'll preach longer on that. Why in God's name would a preacher want to follow a Baptist church? How to have revival? They don't even know how to get them saved. But I'm in the church. I'm in the church. And the church has power. And the church has anointing. And the church has a purpose. And the church has a vision. Somebody shout, yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, we're in a powerful organism. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink it a deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I don't need to know my social security number or my address. I need healing for my cancer. I need salvation for my problem. 
And it's in the church. 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 You don't need a psychologist. You don't need a psychiatrist. You just need a baptism in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We're in a wonderful position. Overlooking. Devil's got a problem. Because he's way down the valley. They don't have water down there. But we got water. And we've got protection. And one man can protect the city. You better thank God for a preacher. I said, you better thank God for a preacher, a God-called preacher. A God-called preacher that won't back up. He's not trying to be popular. Amen. I'm going on because I've got a long way to go. So the name of the Lord, Isaiah chapter 59. Verse number 19, so they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Oh, preacher, don't shove holiness in my face. But when the devil comes in like a flood. That's my demarcation. That's my flag. That's the banner on which the Lord runs to take care of his people. Amen. I'm not ashamed to be holiness tonight. I'm not ashamed to be separated from the world. I don't want to look like them. I don't want to talk like them. I don't want to act like them. I want them to want to act like me. Because I've got what they need. I've got what they're looking for. Praise God. Maybe seated. One couple of ladies were coming back from a conference one time. And they were walking through an airport with their long hair all up. Their dresses right. And there was a man that called from one of the uh, sitting places where he was waiting on an air, uh, for an airliner to come pick him up. And he hollered across. He said, you don't have to have all that holiness. And the ladies walked over to him and said, How come it is that you recognize us, but we don't recognize you? When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises a standard. I know who I am, and the devil knows who I am. I said, I know who I am, and the devil knows who I am. Hallelujah. And I told our young people, and I told our church this on several occasions. There is nothing like the feeling of walking down the streets of your city and knowing the devil's running from you. Oh, don't talk about the devil. Oh, is he your boss? 
Is that sicko your boss? Ah, hallelujah. Praise God. Let me go a little bit further here. Praise God. So much to go on. So much to preach. So little time. Amen. Let me talk to you about the deception that's going on in the world today. There's a deception that's going on. There's a spirit of deception. There's two spirits. A spirit of truth and a spirit of error. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come here leading God to all truth? What spirit are you being guided by? Jesus answered and said unto them, Matthew 24, 4 and 5. He said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And then I read to you in the text scripture tonight. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. There's a lot of lying doctrines out there. There's a lot of lying preachers out there. But do not be deceived by them. I got to go on because I've got a lot that I want to finish tonight. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 13. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These are the spirits of devils working miracles, working miracles, which go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them together to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. I'm telling you that in this last day, hell has vomited out spirits, spirits of apostasy, spirits of false doctrine, spirits of heresy. You know why? Because he hates this church that you and I are a part of. He don't want the Zion church to remain as it is. Amen. Amen. He hates it. He hates it when we're up here shouting and talking in tongues. He hates it when people are getting the Holy Ghost. He hates it when we got our heart on fire and the truth is burning inside of us. He hates it when we're backing the preacher. And I believe that preachers ought to back the preacher. I believe that saints ought to back the preacher. I believe that old people ought to back the preacher. Amen. Like one old man was going to church. He was in his 80s. And he'd go to church. He had lost his hearing. He could not hear. And he'd go to church. And the preacher would preach and he'd stand to his feet. And one of the parishioners asked him one time, Grandpa, why are you going to church? Can you hear the preacher? No, I can't hear the preacher. Well, then why are you going to church and you stand up when he's preaching? He said, I just want the world to know and the preacher to know and the church to know, and the devil to know whose side I'm on. I don't care if I live to be 95. I want to get on my feet and say, Preacher, I'm with you. Devil, I'm with my man of God. Hallelujah. 
and let the rest of the world know and let the apostates in the church know that I'm standing behind my man of God and we're going to stand together and we're going to see a move of God in our city. We're going to see a move of God in our church. Hallelujah. You may be seated. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. That you be not so soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. At that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there be a falling away or apostasy first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Matthew 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. I'm going to get into it in just a moment. But I'm going to tell you what the word of the Lord is for this conference. We are gullible. If there's anything that we need a restoration of, and I believe we need a restoration of the gifts of the Spirit. Tongues and interpretation of tongues and the gift of prophecy, miracles and healings and faith, wisdom and knowledge. But we need a resurrection of the discerning of spirits. Because if you're feeling for wool, you'll find wool, but it's got wolf fangs in it. And a real sheep doesn't have have sheep blood in its mouth. I said a real sheep doesn't have sheep blood in its mouth. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, for inwardly they are ravening wolves. They're not going to tell you they're a false prophet. They're not going to have a tag on the back of their car saying, I'm false, follow me. No, no. They're going to have a shirt and tie, and they're going to come to Ark and act like they're just like us. But they're liars. They're false prophets. They're led by another spirit. Lift your hands and let's pray right now. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, God's got some more to say to us. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. In the name of Jesus, we find every false spirit. In the name of Jesus, we come against every false doctrine. In the last few years, it that have shaken me, have not shaken my faith, but it has caused me to walk very carefully before God. I don't take one day carelessly. There's not a day that goes by that I don't touch God. And I tell them at home, if you don't pray an hour a day, you're not going to be saved.
soon when you walk through that door, you wanted somebody to preach to you tonight. And preach to you I shall. God's going to have a praying people, a worshiping people, a truth-loving people. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Be seated. Man that you don't know whose side he's on is like the Confederate man that had friends on the Union side and on the Confederate side. So he put on a pair of blue breeches and a gray coat. And when he walked out there to let them know that he wasn't against anybody, they both shot him. I'm preaching to some fence travelers tonight. Make up your mind. Are you a liberal or are you a conservative? I know these preachers are in a pickle. I'm not looking at them. But if they don't agree with me, they can't stand up. But the Holy Ghost told me in prayer that he was drawing a line tonight. It's time for the real church to rise to the challenge. It's time for the real church to stand and shine brightly. We don't need the tears. We don't need the tears. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Be seated. Then how did Masada fall? If, the, if Flavius Silva could not attack them from the valley floor because of the precipitous cliffs, and there was only one small passageway up, and one man could guard the ascent and pick them off as fast as they climbed, how could a city like that fall? How could a church and a revival die? When there is no need to die. It is senseless that we have come so far and not finished the journey. It is senseless for us to become this far and this high and this deep in spiritual matters for us to stop here. Revival is not just the ingathering of soul. It's also the refining of wheat. Yeah. That's right. Flavius, the old Roman, he found a weakness. He knew that the Jewish zealots occupying Masada could not bring themselves to kill their own people. He mobilized the working force of Jewish slaves and compelled them to carry out the torturous task of building up a ramp up the western slope, an unlikely ascent. And when the Romans completed the project, they hailed a giant battering ram up the ramp to the western wall, which succumbed to its crushing blows, and they conquered Masada. Knowing that those Jewish slaves were going to take their fortress, they just couldn't bring it to themselves to pick up the rock and get rid of them. Why is it? that we are 
are so afraid to preach holiness and separation. Don't you realize that if we don't pick off the zealots and the slaves that are trying to destroy us, that we will succumb to the same thing they succumb to? The assemblies of God couldn't control the television, and neither can the apostolics. The world can't conquer video, and neither will the apostolics. Praise God. Now I've been informed by these men on the steering committee to take and tell you what God laid on my heart. And God forbid that I take any of this back to the hotel room tonight. Because I fear God more than I fear anybody in this building right now. I don't care if you can order the video out of an organizational catalog. That don't make it right. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how smooth they are. I don't care how successful they are. They want to tear down the stronghold of Zion. So preach, preach, preach. Preach it, 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 preach it. It's not going to tear up the church. It's going to protect the church. Somebody shout, preach it, preacher. Preach it, preacher. Say it again. Preach it, preacher. preach it, preacher. I don't want my kids to be drug addicts. I don't want my daughter to be a prostitute. I don't want my boy to be a homosexual. I don't want to lose the pure move of God in my church. Preach it, preacher. Preach it, preacher. Preach it, preach it. Tell me how it is. Let's worship the Lord. Cloud of the Holy Ghost, move on us. Hallelujah. 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 Something tells me the saints of God want these preachers to preach it straight. They want their preacher to be gutsy. They want their man of God to tell them how it is. They're not worried about having hurt feelings. They want to be saved. Somebody shout, yeah. yeah. I've got to be saved. I've got to be saved. Shake hands with your neighbor and say, I've got to be saved. 
1 Kings, 13th chapter. Since this is a preaching conference, I suppose it really don't matter how long we preach. Is that all right? Well, I believe the saints want us to do that. Hard preaching builds strong churches. Weak preaching brings hypocrite churches. First Kings 13, I gotta hurry. I have a mandate from the Lord to finish some of this. And after that, we'll just do whatever God wants to do. But I feel in the Holy Ghost, God wants to confirm His Word. I want to say that because I feel it so deeply in the Holy Ghost. While I was in prayer, God said he wanted to confirm his word. That might mess some of your ties up and it might have you shouting to wear your shirt tails out. Might mess your hair up a little bit. But the Holy Ghost wants to breathe across this auditorium. Hallelujah! 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 Praise God! Praise the Lord! Let me read a little out of First Kings thirteen. God laid it on the heart of a man of God. Please be seated. He came out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Understand, Jeroboam is not serving another God. He just don't want him to go to Jerusalem. He wants to make a convenient religion. He'll hurry up and talk in tongues and quit smoking later. not what brought us to where we're at tonight. I know they're living together in fornication, but go ahead and baptize them. Just go to make it easier. No way, Jose. We're not building a social club. We're trying to build a church. Be seated. So the man God came up, and God always has a man. <laughs> For every Pharaoh, there's a Moses. For every Caesar, there's a Paul or Saul of Tarsus. For every Herod, there's a John the Baptist. For every problem, there's going to be a man of God that will not be bought. He's not preaching so he can preach another conference. They're not singing so they can sell records. God's going to have a man. Praise God. So he come up there and 
God gave him a message to preach. You may be seated. God gave him a message to preach. And he began to preach and began to prophesy. Now we talk about, oh, brother, we believe in, in, in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy. And I believe in it with all my heart. But some of this stuff going around for prophecy is a bunch of junk. One lady in Kentucky got up, and she was really got her flesh in there, and she ended up saying, put that in your pipe and smoke it, saith the Lord. A bunch of chalk. Preacher, before you say God told you, you better make sure God told you. Oh God, I'm off on a tangent. Let's hurry. And he began to preach and he said, this is what the Lord's going to do. He said it came to pass. And he gave a sign. He said, Josiah by name is going to come and he shall offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee and men's bones shall be burned upon thee. Prophesying to an altar and he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent and the ashes that are poured upon it shall be poured out. And it came to pass when the Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, he said, boy, that preacher's a jerk. You know, if you get hard and you really preach to somebody, you're going to run them off. Not if God called you to do it, you won't. He reached out to touch the man of God, and God withered his hand up. And guess what? He repented. He repented. You might want a pastor that pastors by psychology. Some preacher might want a pastor by psychology, but I ain't going to do that. I'm going to pastor by thus saying the word of the Lord. This is not about how to win friends and influence people. This is a message that causes men to repent and to change their course. Somebody shout hallelujah. The altar was rent. His hand was dried up. Verse 6. And he besought the man of God. Pray for me, man of God. Boy, we're getting real smooth now. You know the reason why some men are too ashamed to preach hard? Because it might cut their lifestyle a little bit. Be hard to make the church payment on that big building they didn't need. I'm so sorry if you get mad at me tonight, but God told me to preach this. And preach it I will. If God tells you to build a big building, then you'll fill it up by preaching His Word, not by compromising, not by courting the elite of the city, but by preaching it gun barrel straight. That's how you got in, and that's how they're going to get in. Oh. Jeroboam said, you see, now this is the scary part. He said, come on home and eat bread with me. Man, I like you. Let's go fishing together. 
go hunting together. Come on, preacher, I like you so much. Let's go spend a little time. Let's go, let, let's go have a little good fellowship together. Your preacher is not your buddy. Well, it's the truth anyhow. God didn't send me to Wheelersburg to fish with my saints and to hunt with my saints. And I'm not Pastor Bob. You ought to address your pastor as Pastor Howard, Pastor so-and-so. He's your pastor, not your buddy. He's your pastor. Let him preach. Be seated, be seated. He said, no, no. He said, God told me not to eat bread in this place. He told me not to drink water in this place. And he, and he, and he took off. And he's going back to where, oh, I like that message today, Brother Bass. He's going right back to where God called him. You know, he could go ahead and buy him a, a new baby jag and, oh, he could go over there and, 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 and all these great, wonderful things. I'm not preaching against nice, fancy things. But he went back to where God had called him. But like some preachers do, and I've been there also, we get weary. And we sit down to rest. I'm preaching to a preacher right now. You're weary. The devil told you, just lighten up a little bit. And you're going to trade the smile of heaven for the grin of the enemy. Go ahead, go ahead. Hear ye the word of the Lord. And all of a sudden there was a guy. Oh, this is where it really gets hairy. Two boys come home. Man, they hadn't had church like that in a long time. Man, there was miracles. There was a preacher that had a backbone. Man, God moved. Hey, Daddy. Man, we had church today. And he was an old prophet. He said, where's he from? Well, you know, he's down in the south. You know, he's just, you know, he's a young guy. Man, he was real fiery. Man, the anointing of God was on him. Great. He said, man, I, I got to go check him out. So he gets in his automobile, his donkey. That's not the Bible word, but for the polite word, I'll call it donkey. Amen. And he finds him sitting down. And here is the scary part. I've got to read it to you or else we might miss it. He, he walks up to him and he shakes his hand. He says, man, praise the Lord. So good to meet you. Man, he said, why don't you come back to my house? I'd like to, I'd like to talk to you a little bit. And he said, he said, Lo, I can't do that. He said, I may not return, verse 16, with thee nor go with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place with thee. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt not eat bread nor drink water there. Turn again and go by the way that thou camest. Oh, look out, man of God. And he said unto him, I am a prophet as you are. Then where have you been? 
not stopping until I nail this one shut. Don't tell me you're just like me and you won't preach the fornication out of your church. Don't tell me you're just like me and you got a pervert playing your organ. Don't tell me you're just like me and you've got a harlot leading the choir. Don't tell me you're just like me when you've got wedding bands all in your church. I don't need your prophecy. I don't need your word. You're not like me. If you're just like me, then why all these short sleeves? Preacher, I didn't come to have somebody cram this down my throat. Well, quit cramming your carnality down my throat. Is there any saints that want to hear this kind of preaching here tonight? Are there any preachers that want to hear this kind of preaching tonight? Don't tell me you're just like me and you're satisfied to run 20 for 40 years. Don't tell me you're just like me and you don't have a desire to pray the night through. Don't tell me you're just like me and you haven't fasted all year. You're a liar, you old prophet. You're a liar. You're a liar, and you want me to be like you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Don't tell me you're just like me and you don't mind having a thousand soul revival, but you couldn't find them six weeks later with a search warrant and a flood and a flashlight. You're not like me. No. You just want me. To be like you. Oh, prophet, you just want to preach in my church so I can give you a big offering so you can play golf three days a week. No, you're not just like me. No, 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 no. Hey, God's drawing a line here tonight. And you know what? He seated. You know what else he said? You know, he probably was just a little skeptical. And he said, hey, 
I'm just like you. And not only that, an angel spoke to him. The Bible said he lied to him. We are so gullible, brethren. We are enamored with the sensational. Man, have you heard how successful they are? I don't give a flip. I've seen an angel. No, you didn't see no angel. And if you did, did you check his feet out? One man one time was on his deathbed, was a relative of ours. He never lived for God. He said, I know I'm going to be all right. I'm on my deathbed. But he said, Jesus walked in here today. He had on cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. He didn't see Jesus. Jesus don't ride a Tennessee walker and have a Marlboro between his fingers. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. God's not schizophrenic. He doesn't change his mind. What was wrong 10 years ago is still wrong today. Yeah! And the Bible says, here's the sad part, you see it. Here's the sad part. He went back to the man of God. I don't understand a lot of things. Some things about God I don't suppose I ever understand. His ways are infinite. Mine's infinitesimal. His is large and mine's minuscule. There's a lot of things I don't understand about God because, simply because he's eternal and I'm mortal. They got sitting around that old lion prophet's table. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord came back on that lying prophet. You know what, saint, preacher, just because God uses you in tongues interpretation. Preacher, just because God used you to pray somebody through the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're right. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? God spoke through a donkey. Does that make the donkey saved? I'm going to tell you what the scary part about it is, brethren. That I can be anointed of the Lord to preach this. And tomorrow I can be lost. That scares me. And it is the devil's job to send by a prophet that he wants this church, this apostolic, holiness, one God church, to be like every other denomination. Preacher, don't hit him. That's my family. He's a slave. And the Romans are using him to destroy this city 
Make up your mind. Do you love your brother more than you love God? Do you love your wife more than you love God? Do you love your children more than you love God? Jesus said, He that loveth his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. Let me go further. Well, I got a voice and got a few more minutes. Scary things happen in the book of Numbers. <clears throat> There's a man by the name of Balaam. Balaam is referred to in Jude number 11 as the era of Balaam. Second Peter, it develops into the way of Balaam. And in Revelation 2.14, it's called the doctrine of Balaam. Now, brethren, correct me if I'm wrong, but I studied in the Old Testament, and I never found where the doctrine of Balaam was ever put out there. All I find about Balaam is that one day the preacher tried to hire, or the king tried to hire him to put a curse on the people of God. Brethren, I can't find anything wrong with what Balaam said. Numbers 23, 8 through 10, How shall I curse whom God not curse? How shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? From the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nation. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like his. Sounds good. Numbers 23, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among him. God brought them out of Egypt as it were the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel according to this time. Shall it be said of Jacob and an end of Israel, what? God hath wrought. Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift herself up as a young lion shall not lay down until he eat of the prey and drink of the blood of the slain. Find no problem with that, brethren. He prophesies again in Numbers 24, 5 through 9. And then he prophesies in verse 17, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and the scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy the children of Sheth. He is telling the truth. You can't put a finger on Balaam. He's preaching it right. Numbers 25 and 1, after he gets through preaching, after he climbs down out of his lofty pulpit and climbs back and goes home, it's already happened. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. It wasn't what he said. It's what he was. It does 
difference who fills the pulpit. You put a playboy preacher in the pulpit and you'll reap a church of young people committing fornication. It's not what he preaches, brethren. It's what he is. Hard to explain to young people who come to conference when right across the hall preachers are watching television. I didn't know what to tell them, brethren. I'm scared to look around because I think they're here. It's not what you preach, preacher. It's what you are. I'm going to preach to the saints of God. I don't care if it's your brother-in-law. I don't care if it's your father-in-law. If he's not living the truth, he don't belong in a pulpit. Don't ask your pastor to preach him. If he's a fornicator, if he's a homosexual, he don't belong on the pulpit. It's not how eloquent he is. It's not how popular he is. It's not how much of a hunk he is. What is he in the spirit? I never read that Balaam was a fornicator, but his spirit was perverse. Hear me, brethren. What ends up working itself in the flesh first starts in the spirit. And before you ever have a case of fornication or adultery or perversion in your church, was working in the spirit before it ever came to life in the flesh. Oh, we'll walk around and say, yeah, I've known of colleges and universities that had a pervert leading the music program and man, all kinds of perverts came out of there. That's not anything because we know there's a spirit that's let loose then why would we want to put an evangelist in our pulpit that's a playboy, that's a liar, that's a video watcher, that has a lust problem? You're going to breed more problems than you'll ever be able to settle. I've got a lot of preaching, but I'm going to have to call it quits here in just a minute. An evangelist called me several years ago. He's come to preach for an independent friend of mine down the road. He said, I didn't know there was a UPC church in town. He said, I drove by and saw the crowd at your church. He said, I'm licensed and, and uh, gave me his name, told me whose church. He dropped a few big names on the phone and uh, told me about how successful he was. And I was kind to him. 
Two weeks later, he picked up the phone again. He's getting ready to leave. He said, well, I just wondering, you know, maybe I could drop by and preach for you. I said, listen, brother. I said, I want to be kind to you. I said, let me tell you how we do it in Wheelersburg. I said, you introduce yourself to me and I pray. And when God gives me your name, I call you. You don't call me. Well, brother, so-and-so used him. That doesn't mean anything. He could be a fornicator. I don't know that, but God does. Church, you better be thankful. You got a preacher that protects this pulpit, protects the organ and the piano and the conference floor. You better thank your God. So all of a sudden, there's a plague going on. There's a plague going on in Israel. I mean, there's fornication and adultery and people's dying. What are we going to do? You shouldn't let Balaam preach. And then after a while, kind of got brazen. Here comes Cosby, I believe is his name. He's got him a Midianitish woman. He's walking through the camp. What are you going to do, preacher? I hope ain't nobody like that here tonight. People's dying and the church is suffering. There's only one hope. There's a young preacher. He hadn't, he hadn't been to Bible school. And he hadn't preached at all the big churches. And he don't have a travel trailer. And his pickup don't run too good. And he buys his suits at the Goodwill. But he had all of it he could take. And Phinehas grabbed the spear and said, Not in this church, you don't poop. Ain't going to be no homos in this church. Ain't going to be no whores in this church. And you know what God said? God said, I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. And the plague was stayed. Preach, 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 preach. Come on, preach, preacher. Preach it out of the church. Preach the television out of the church. Preach the video out of the church. Preach the wedding rings out of the church. Preach the sports out of the church. Preach, 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 preach. Preach, 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 preach. Let's stand to our feet. Let's glorify God right now. this church. I love Holy Ghost Revival. I love it. 
Everyone's standing. I know I'll be misread by things I've said. Mm -hmm. At this moment, it really doesn't matter. No, I, I, but I love I my young men and my young ladies too much. To allow a Balaam to start a plague or a Cosby to shove it in my face. While others say, he's crass. Really? He's ugly. He's too hard. How can I be too hard with my babies? I may not have a large church group. I don't have a large city. But there's one thing that I pledge to a lot of these down here that are of my own. I promise you, in the fear of God, Sankar, Masada will not go down and be conquered. I promise you that as long as this preacher has breath, I stand between you and the spirits of hell. I'll fight for you, Robbie. Timmy, I'll fight for you. Robert Jr., son, I'll fight for you. My dear wife, I'll fight for you. Zion is beautiful to me. If you have a pastor, saints of God out here, you have a pastor on this platform. And if he's not, would you lift your hands and pray for your pastor right now? I love every one of these men of God. I have no enemies. If you don't like me, don't tell me. The only enemy I have is the devil. But I love this truth. Brother Garrett, I love this truth. Brother Hyler, I love this truth. I don't like taking the spear and getting cozy. No, I don't. But I'm not gonna let I'm not gonna let Masada go down.